This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson. Bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis. The terror that critical race theory brings to American schools. Until recently, those who wanted to inject radical ideas into American schools did it quietly. Now the radicals believe that they have enough power to do their dirty work openly. One sign of this attitude change is a 1619 project published by the New York Times. At the core of the 1619 project is a set of ideas known as critical race theory. The project and the theory are the topic of this episode of the Return to Order moment. First, Edwin Benson explains the project and its weaknesses in his essay, The Racist and the Dangerous 1619 Project is Vulnerable and in Trouble. For a time, The 1619 Project was on track to become a standard racial education curriculum throughout the United States. It has the backing of the New York Times, which initially published it. Its author-slash-editor, Nicole Hannah-Jones, is feted by other left-wing journalists and talk show hosts. She has received a Pulitzer Prize. Online resources are available to guide teachers as they introduce 1619's radical ideology into their classrooms. According to Education Next, quote, the Pulitzer Center, publisher of the online material, annual report says that more than 3,500 classrooms used the materials, unquote. It also points out that, quote, Random House Children's Books announced plans to publish four 1619 project books for young readers, one young adult, one middle grade, and two picture books, unquote. Despite all the support from the education and media establishments, the program is in trouble. People are beginning to see through its Marxist-inspired travesty of American history. The 1619 Project has taken a severe hit, courtesy of the usually liberal state of Washington. Those fighting 1619 in their school districts should look to the tactics used there. The most effective organization involved in this turnaround is the Washington Policy Center, WPC. It describes itself as, quote, an independent, nonprofit think tank that promotes sound public policy based on free market solutions, unquote. On October 28, 2020, the WPC released and distributed a, quote, unquote, policy note titled, The 1619 Project, Sloppy Scholarship and Distorted History Under Consideration for Washington Schools. Its key findings included, 1. The 1619 Project represents poor research methods and contains factual errors. 2. Lincoln scholars have found the 1619 Project has serious gaps in teaching about the Civil War era. 3. The 1619 Project violates the ethical standards of journalism and published academic research. And four, the 1619 Project presents an inaccurate understanding of the past, denies students access to the rich texture of American history, and teaches students to hate their country. Armed with this information, the organization visited all Washington State school districts. All of them rejected 1619. The WPC benefited from the work of the National Association of Scholars, NAS. 
its president, Peter Wood, wrote a book criticizing 1619. According to Jennifer Crabney, editor of the College Fix website, quote, Peter Wood's new book, 1620, A Critical Response to the 1619 Project, accomplishes two things in one. It meticulously debunks claims made in the New York Times 1619 Project and offers a positive, more accurate narrative of America's true foundation, unquote. When interviewed, Dr. Wood took dead aim at 1619's central premise, quote, Our ancestors did one remarkable thing that no one else in the world did, which was that they created an abolition movement and ended the institution of slavery, unquote. In August 2020, NAS hosted an online event titled 1776 vs. 1619, Two Visions of American History. The speakers were Dr. Robert Woodson and Dr. Wilfred McClay. Dr. Woodson is the guiding spirit behind an anti-1619 effort called 1776 Unites, which is developing its own set of materials. Dr. McClay is the author of Land of Hope, a textbook that presents a far more accurate American history narrative than the false one that 1619 tries to impose. A single victory in one state does not mean that this war is over. Not all the resources mentioned here are perfect. None present a genuinely Catholic sense of the proper relationship among people throughout history. However, any of them are vastly preferable to the deliberate propaganda of 1619. Noticeably absent from this struggle is the National Catholic Educational Association, NCEA. Their mission statement states, quote, NCEA strengthens Catholic school communities by providing professional development, formation, leadership, and advocacy, unquote. However, there is no word on its website that would warn administrators and teachers in Catholic schools to avoid 1619. One page does provide, quote, Catholic school resources for combating racism, unquote. That page does feature a link to the infamous message to staff and clients from Catholic Charities President and CEO Rob McCann. In this statement, Mr. McCann of Catholic Charities Eastern Washington accuses himself and Catholic institutions of systemic racism. He confessed that, quote, I am a racist. How could I not be? Living in America where every institution is geared to advantage people who look like me, unquote. Mr. McCann's quote-unquote confession illustrates everything that is wrong with 1619 and its basic philosophy of systemic racism. The claim that the church is racist is false. Informed as it is by the love of God and neighbor, Catholic teaching is the easiest, quickest, and surest path to harmonious relationships among humanity's various races and ethnicities. The Marxist egalitarianism of the 1619 Project is as removed from the Catholic sense as heaven is from hell. It is fueled by hate, not by the love commanded by Christ. The victory in Washington shows that the project can be defeated. Indeed, it is a dangerous program.
In December 2017, The Atlantic published an interview with Nicole Hannah-Jones. Jeffrey Goldberg asked her, quote, If you were the dictator of America, would you outlaw private schools? Unquote. Her response, quote, The answer is yes, you would have to. If you truly wanted to equalize and integrate schools, you would have to. Unquote. Everyone can be grateful that Nicole Hannah-Jones is not the dictator of the United States. However, if American schools educate a whole generation of students according to the tenets of 1619, her response might not be so far-fetched. Thanks to the Washington Policy Center, the National Association of Scholars, and others, parents and concerned citizens have weapons that they can use to fight against 1619. This information is readily available. It is up to Christian parents to use these tools. It is difficult to overstate the dangers of critical race theory. In his essay, Six Reasons Why Catholics Must Oppose Critical Race Theory, John Horvat contrasts these harmful ideas with the truths of the Catholic Church. A political theory stands behind the racial unrest shaking the nation. It employs expressions like quote-unquote systemic racism to describe the nation's attitude toward racial relationships. This theory is called critical race theory, CRT. It has long incubated in leftist academia. Its central thesis makes race the prism through which all aspects of life must be viewed. As such, its promoters seek to rewrite history, economics, sociology, and other sciences to accommodate its Marxist focus. The theory destroys the possibility of social harmony as taught by the Catholic Church. Thus, all Americans who love their country should reject critical race theory as an attempt to condemn the nation and its history. Catholics should also reject the theory because it is contrary to church social teaching. Here are six reasons why critical race theory is wrong and must be rejected. Reason number one. Critical race theory makes use of the false Marxist analysis of class struggle. It divides society into two categories of oppressors and oppressed and pits them against each other in constant strife. There is nothing original about this foundational aspect of CRT. Its promoters make race the basis of class struggle, dividing the country into oppressors and oppressed based on skin color. Thus, the theory creates and encourages the conditions for conflict, unrest, and bitterness. It allows no peaceful racial coexistence. The theory is wrong because the church teaches that society should live in social harmony, not conflict. Society is not made up of two intrinsically inimical categories. Rather, it is formed by an enriching variety of groups that, united in the same worship of God, give rise to a harmonious Christian civilization. Reason number two. Contrary to what critical race theory affirms, race is not the prism that must be used to see all things. Critical race theory holds that race is the sole prism through which history, economics, sociology, science, and all aspects of life must be seen. Its promoters allow for no other explanation on how society works and always frame the debate to favor their class struggle narrative. 
While race may be a prism to see reality, it can never be the prism. Other modern theories have tragically made similar erroneous claims. For Marxism, it was an economic prism. For Freud, sexuality was the prism. No single discipline can claim a monopolizing perspective. Only the Catholic faith can inform an all-embracing and true perspective on God and the created universe. The Church provides this universal vision. She teaches that God and His revelation are the supernatural prism through which a true universal worldview is possible. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the light. The Church is the infallible interpreter of this revelation, and she teaches, governs, and sanctifies all people and races in the one true faith. Only lives of virtue and supernatural grace will give rise to the harmony and peace that neutralize Marxist racial unrest. Reason number three. Culture does not determine the behavior of individuals endowed with free will. Critical race theory holds that cultural beliefs and social structures are imbued with racism and determine the fate of societies and individuals. Those who are oppressors can do nothing to rid themselves of their supposed biases. They have, quote, subconscious codes of instructions, unquote, which determine their behavior even when they want to do the contrary. The oppressed also have embedded responses that can even impede revolution since they adhere to their oppressors' cultural beliefs. CRT holds that people are absorbed by their group identities and thus absolved from personal responsibility. Therefore, CRT calls for dismantling all societal norms through relentless criticism until all power systems have been replaced. The idea that culture determines the destiny of individuals is a denial of free will. It prepares the way to deny personal responsibility for one's actions and prevents real solutions based on effort and virtue. On the contrary, the Church teaches that culture can influence but never determine the destiny of persons. All individuals are endowed with free will, by which they can change from a bad life and sanctify themselves. They can free themselves of sin, vice, and bias through their efforts and with the help of God's grace. Many virtuous individuals' actions give rise to a Christian culture that creates even more favorable conditions for everyone's full development and sanctification. Reason number four. Critical race theory proposes revolution, not reform. Like all revolutionary theories, critical race theory does not desire to see the reform or improvement of present society, but wants to overthrow it. Its advocates falsely point out that all the current governing and cultural structures are tainted with racism. The problems are quote-unquote systemic, they claim, meaning that they are based on the very structure of society's institutions. Because racism is supposedly systemic, the present institutions cannot be reformed or modified. They can only be destroyed. Indeed, critical race theory questions notions basic to the United States. Its radical egalitarianism, for example, clashes with America's strong protection of property rights. 
Whoever unwarily accepts CRT's false premises is dragged forcefully by logic to this disastrous conclusion. Like all Marxist-oriented movements, CRT seeks to carry out a revolution. By their radical assessment of modern culture, its promoters frame the debate. They set the stage for revolutionary action based on class struggle templates. Wherever the church has gone, she seeks to remove the harmful and sinful practices and structures that destroy societies and ruin individuals' lives. However, the church also gently adapts its teaching to anything wholesome and encourages the full development of cultures. She enriches cultures and works with all peoples to help their sanctification. The church can never be the agent of Marxist-style revolution. Reason number five. Critical race theory denies the progress of science, logic, and reason. Critical race theory affirms that all things must be seen through the prism of race, including the sciences. Its promoters declare falsely that science, reason, and logic are quote-unquote white ways of knowing things. They represent racist-tainted Western thought. CRT theorists stress that things like storytelling and lived experience are quote-unquote black alternatives to the rigid Western thought system. CRT promoters claim that science encodes and perpetrates quote-unquote white dominance and thus must be rejected. This core tenet of critical race theory holds that quote-unquote counter-stories and narratives are more important than facts and truths when combating systemic racism. While storytelling and lived experiences are helpful elements in discerning truths, they cannot be the foundations for whole systems of thought, lest societies fall into superstition and subjectivism. In questioning these universal sciences, CRT promoters undermine Western society's certainties. Science introduces methods and objectivity into society. It allows things to be judged by dint of evidence and rules. The Church has always sought to cultivate reason and logic as a means for interpreting reality. Indeed, the first universities came from the Church's development of reasoned thought. Wherever the church has gone, it has established educational institutions and vanquished superstition. The church affirms the role of the intellect and free will in individuals' development and sanctification. The Catholic worldview is fundamentally contrary to CRT's skewed, fatalistic, and deterministic view. Reason number six. Critical race theory excludes Christian charity. Critical race theory is based on an identity politics analysis of society. This false perspective sees the nation as a boiling cauldron of victimized groups oppressed by the dominant white racist culture. Like all Marxist activism, it seeks to fan discontent and accentuate resentments. Individuals are encouraged to think in terms of quote-unquote intersectionality, whereby they can claim to be oppressed in many ways by identifying with more than one social group, race, gender, or class. 
This model of viewing society is an abandonment of reality for the embracing of fantasy. It weakens the bonds that create trust and the means for civic engagement. The church's action opposes this divisive characterization of society and seeks to bind all together in charity. The virtue of charity brings all together cohesively and harmoniously in true and perfect unity. When charity rules a social order, individuals become self-sacrificing for the common good. They love their neighbors as themselves for the love of God. The church's action teaches and spreads unity in Christ to all in society, not division. There are other aspects of CRT that might be analyzed. However, one important thing to remember is that CRT is a comprehensive, albeit false, way of looking at reality. It subverts and is irreconcilable with traditional Western and Christian criteria. It peddles a twisted, deceitful perspective of humanity that contradicts church teaching and must be rejected. CRT is harmful because it seeks to impose its Marxist-inspired views upon society. It is intolerant, judgmental, and systematically destructive of the Western world it falsely claims to be quote-unquote systemically racist. It is an ideology that demands universal and unqualified submission. It is totalitarian and allows for no opposing opinion. The theory has long undermined all fields of knowledge, education, employment, media, entertainment, and social life. It must be opposed now before it blows the nation apart. Those who desire harmony and peace among the many members of the human race should look to the Church's traditional teachings. They will ever find a view of humanity informed by the love of God for all. This Christian way is the easiest, surest, and quickest path to harmonious relationships among the globe's various races and ethnicities. Based on charity and the love of God, It is as far removed from the hateful Marxist overtones in critical race theory as heaven is from hell. The ideas behind critical race theory are dangerous to society. They also inflict psychological harm on our children. In his essay, Using Anti-Racism to Oppress America's Vulnerable Children, Edwin Benson examines one such case and the legal fallout that is created. He also contrasts the case with his own experience during his 34-year teaching career. Critical race theory blasted its way into the headlines with the release of the New York Times' 1619 Project. The racial unrest of 2020 further catapulted the theory into the limelight as schools all over the country are eager to adopt it, using the mold provided by Ibram X. Kendi's How to Be an Anti-Racist. One brave student stood up to the establishment. He refused to go along with the nonsense. William Clark and his mother, Gabrielle Clark, are suing his school, Democracy Prep AC, in a Clark County, Nevada court. For decades, America's schools presented themselves as the protector of free expression. All the while, they grew increasingly less tolerant of traditional ideas and methods. 
This was one factor that impelled me to take an early retirement from my public school teaching position in 2018. Throughout the debate, I have wondered about the reactions of students to critical race theory. From my perch outside the system, I asked myself how students, especially Christian students, would fare under the anti-racist ideologues. Thanks to William Clark, the answer emerges. It is not a pretty picture. Mr. Clark is a high school senior, set to graduate in spring 2021. When he entered the school, Democracy Prep bore the name of tennis star Andre Agassi. He had set up a foundation to, quote, provide underserved youth in Las Vegas with a quality K-12 education to prepare for excellence in college and beyond, unquote. That language appealed to Gabrielle Clark, a black woman whose white husband died shortly after William's birth. She enrolled him there as a sixth grade student in 2014. Since the student body is virtually all black, William has the lightest skin color in his class, a factor that led to the incident that triggered the lawsuit. In 2016, a national consortium based in New York City, Democracy Prep Public Schools, Inc., DSSP, took over the Agassi School's charter. DSSP claims to be, quote, a network of open enrollment, high-performing public charter schools that aims to educate responsible citizen scholars for success in the college of their choice and a life of active citizenship, unquote. The CEO of Democracy Prep Public Schools is Natasha Trivers. According to the complaint, quote, Natasha Trivers began implementing a very different civics curriculum, although the generic name and syllabus provided to parents remained the same. Parents at DPAC were not made aware of the ideological turn in the curriculum. Trivers' new DPPS curriculum inserted consciousness-raising and conditioning exercises under the banners of intersectionality and critical race theory. Parents, like Gabrielle Clark, were not aware of the turn toward cohesive, ideological indoctrination until they began seeing the detrimental effects it worked upon their children, unquote. William had the misfortune to be in a required class called The Sociology of Change, taught by Catherine Bass. It proved to be a nightmare for the Christian boy. According to Schoolhouse Rights, the nonprofit 501c3 organization that is assisting the Clarks, quote, The student and his mother argue that he was coerced under a critical race theory slash intersectionality based curriculum to make statements contrary to his personal conscience and beliefs, and he was retaliated against when he objected conscientiously, unquote. For example, the DPPS curriculum required students to identify themselves according to a specific set of criteria and then align those identifications with the terms privilege or oppressive. Catherine Bass thoughtfully provided an example titled Ms. Bass's Identities. In it, she listed eight facts about herself, her race, ethnicity, nationality, her gender, her socioeconomic status, her sexual orientation, her disabilities, her religion, her age, and her language. After each item was the word privilege or oppressive. This process follows a concept known as intersectionality. 
Every person has an intersection of traits that plots their position as members of a privileged or oppressed class. Being lighter skinned than his classmates, as well as Christian, heterosexual, and male, William was supposedly privileged. Further, the teacher implied that William's white father had committed a, quote, real-life interpersonal oppression, unquote, upon his black mother. The classroom materials claim that this was a double strike because, quote, interpersonal sexism is what men do to women, unquote, end quote, interpersonal racism is what white people do to people of color close up, unquote. Families, quote, reinforce racist and homophobic prejudices, unquote. She called his Christianity an oppressive ideology against which he should learn to, quote, unquote, fight back and unlearn. William objected. Miss Bass told him that his objections only confirmed his role as an oppressor. Gabrielle Clark swung into action. She spoke to the teacher, who refused to relent. She talked to the principal, Adam Johnson, who backed up the teacher. She took it to the local democracy prep school board, which defended Mr. Johnson. Finally, she shared her concepts with the National DPPS organization, which stated its support for the curriculum. William received a failing grade for the course. While educational bureaucracies generally back their own, this case is very unusual. During my teaching career, my colleagues and I were expected to dance carefully around our students' mental states. Students' quote-unquote self-esteem always prevailed over the content of the course. Any teacher conduct that a student found threatening would land the teacher in the office to be examined and warned. Principals bent over backwards to appease parents. Even in the rare instance in which the teacher is shown to be totally right and the student to be absolutely wrong, the usual attitude is to find some quote-unquote accommodation for the student that avoids quote-unquote escalating the conflict. Moreover, Schools will do almost anything to avoid lawsuits. Using public resources to litigate a losing case is anathema to them. Any objective legal analysis indicates that democracy prep is on very shaky ground. The school not only discriminated against Mr. Clark by giving him a failing grade, but the teacher held him up to public ridicule in front of his classmates. Perhaps the most surprising aspect of this situation is the school's open embrace of critical race theory. With COVID-mandated distance learning, parents like Gabrielle could review the materials that they found objectionable. The Clarks have copies of these presentations because they came into William's computer. Hopefully, the judges who hear William Clark's case will protect his rights and his innocence. The William Clarks of the world are too precious to abandon to Dr. Kendi's corrupt and racist philosophy. This concludes the terror that critical race theory brings to American schools. Thank you so much for listening. Return to Order, of which this podcast is only a part, strives to be a source of light in a dark and disordered world. Your prayers are appreciated. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you subscribe and give us a five-star rating with the service through which you are listening to it. In that way, you can help Return to Order be more effective. 
In addition, subscribers gain access to all previous episodes of the Return to Order Moment. We would also like to recommend the book which spells out the ideological message behind our work. Mr. John Horvath's book, Return to Order, is available as a free download through our website, www.returntoorder.org, or in a printed and recorded form through our bookstore. All rights are reserved. Copyright 2021 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP.